0: Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield, only on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: John Von Tobel is here, so is Angel, back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari Big Five time.
0: Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, Number Five.
1: You know, we had Justin Watkins on a little earlier. You can hear the archives of the show after the show at LBSportsNetwork.com. Justin brought up something interesting about, this was a couple weeks ago, about the shaq Candace Parker back and forth. And I hadn't really thought about it, but he was like, it seems contrived to me. Does it seem contrived to you that they basically convince Shaq to act like a buffoon to kind of create a you-go-girl situation where Candace Parker gets to Eviscerate and destroy her male counterpart and the old guy, Shaq.
2: My first response would be a question: What does contrived mean?
1: <laughs> that it's that it's all sort of made up. That, oh, okay. that it's a that it's an embrace debate. You know, produced deal where they're like, "Shaq, do us a favor, just act like a jackass. Oh, say old, say old man stuff." And then Candace gets to rip you to shreds. There's no shot, Shaq. Would and there. then all the white knights on social media are like, "Yeah."
2: This show has gotten exponentially better on Tuesdays.
1: Like that stupid old guy. Yeah.
2: ladies, no stuff. Show him respect.
1: I don't know who that is or why I'm doing that, but
2: um, do, you well, believe, do you believe it's real? No, there's no shot with his ego. Are you serious? And you just... Oh, no. You, I know. you know, really? There's no way he would buy into it. Well, oh, I think like Shaq that. would totally buy no. into that. No, the, the, anytime he's even like partially challenged yeah. on something.
1: It's a good point. Right? It goes back to
2: – like it's, it's actually exactly what we make fun of him on. It's, yeah, championships, I got rings. Like It's like we get it. Put up the ball. Right. Don't so say I, in your life, stop I, it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Don't say in your life, stop. Like, he would never <laughs> buy into that on purpose.
1: But, the, but doesn't the show – And I should say, too, the, by the, the way, sh- I, I'm a
2: big fan of Candace Parker. I think I think
1: really she's good, good too. Job. But I think the show's a level of maturity where he realizes that he's an entertainer and also yeah. to help women in the biz – he can he can be the buffoon, so you, you think know, he would willingly think, take on the role of Chuck, of Charles Barkley? Yeah, I think with Chuck, like Chuck, like he can't. There's like there's such a kind of an ego battle, a machismo with Chuck and Shaq that Shaq can't back down. And, and right, I don't, think, so him, he's I, I, I don't think anyone wants him to back down because it's a great bit. In this case, he can he can play the, you know, the but, pinata and get knocked around by Candace Park. But you literally
2: just said it though. He refuses to back down. To be that to play that bit you have to be able to he's like a, willingly back off. He's of a very
1: layered guy. No. He's a very he's a nice man. Never said he wasn't nice. He, he This is a great story. This is a great story. They were talking about this the other day. Uh all right, do I need any more setup than uh Shaq is out there paying people's bills?
3: I went in there to get some loop earrings and I seen a guy come in. He was just so shy and he was saying, Hey, how much do I owe to pay off my ring? It was just, and I was like, My man, I'm, I'm, how much is the ring? And I'm not going to say the amount, but yeah. it's not enough for me. But I just, you know, and this is something that I do every day.
1: Wait, every day? Wait a minute. Hold that on. is so awesome. If he's doing that every day, just doling out thousands of dollars, do I dare do this? What? Well, he said the guy was in to make a payment on the
2: ring. What if he had like one payment left? Who cares? And Shaq's <laughs> like, Here you go. What do you think, he paid 75 bucks? Well, that's what I'm saying. And you're like, he's out here doling off thousands. Like, really, he just got in really lucky and, like, paid off the last payment?
3: The other day, me and my mom went furniture shopping, and this lady, uh, she had a autistic daughter. Mm. And, you know, she was also, you know, looking to pay for some furniture. And I just, I just took care of her. So I'm into, I'm into making people happy. So whenever I leave the house, I just try to do a, a good deed.
1: Again, are you going to accuse Shaq of making, like, one payment instead of paying off the whole bill? Because I think he paid out the whole bill with the guy with the ring, and I think he bought all the furniture. Like, it wasn't, hey, they're going to finance the furniture. Shaq's like, I'll make the first payment. No,
2: no. What I'm saying is – But you got the next 59 months. No. What I'm saying is, for at least the ring guy, he just stumbled in. Like, he was – because if you hear him tell the story, the guy went in to make a payment, and he goes, "Ah, how much – I'll take care of it. But what, what I'm saying is, what if the guy was going in to make the last payment? And now it's a grand, It's a very nice thing to do, but we're thinking he bought the entire wing. In reality, he just paid the first payment off. By the way, too, can I add, Lef- is pretty good at what he does. After he tells you that she had an autistic daughter, you don't need to go, mm. like, like, let the guy talk. We don't need the confirmation that you're listening in the background. It was a very poorly timed grunt. It was
3: weird. Like, I didn't mean for that to get out because I don't do it for that, but... Like, the guy just came in, and, you know, he's a hard, he a young kid. He's a hardworking working guy. He's like, hey, man, I can come back next month. and next, Like, you lay away. Like, he's, yeah. you know, he put some money down, but I was like, you know what? Tell your girlfriend I got to take care of it. At first, he didn't want to take it. He's like, no, nah, I can't do that. I said, don't worry about it. I do it all the time. So, I'm just trying to make people smile. That's all.
1: Back to the ring guy. After the furniture people. Ari playing games with you. Setting you up. Because mm-hmm. he said in there that the guy said he had multiple payments coming up. Mm. We're not going to do the grunting guy. <laughs> You're doing Golic Sr. now? hmm Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to no, say he, on this. <laughs> he, he,
2: like, he clearly does very good things for people. It's very nice to do those sort of things, right? The other day, my wife asked me for five bucks, and I was like, yeah, let's, let's talk about if you need all five of these bucks, you know? I'm going to do it for a stranger, which here's the real question. Can I yeah. say this? If if you knew, I would assume the guy who was buying the ring knew Shaq who Shaq was because Shaq is Shaq, right? Let's say you know you know Shaq comes up to you if you're in a position where you're struggling for money, you're trying to buy something like that. Let's say you're buying the ring and you're in that financial situation. Would you fight Shaq? Someone you know is insanely rich. Would you fight him on paying it for you? Because if I was in that situation, I feel like it would be like, "You got a big guy." Uh, I, like, I would put up no resistance. You and over. Over. If Shaq were to come up to me, be like, hey, man, I'll pay that.
1: I'd say thank you like over and over again. But I would not try to be, oh, no, I uh, you don't do like three. I, you don't do three attempts at paying it. Nah. And then and the whole time, you know, I'm, I'm going to relent. Yeah. And then after the second, he's like, you know what? Okay, you're right. Yeah. You seem really proud. I'm not going to step on your toes. I'm not going to pay for it. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> right. It was paid for. Why did I do that?
2: Wait, wait, wait. You were serious? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to be rude and turn you down, man. Yeah, okay, you go ahead.
1: Do you? Uh, do, speaking of that, do you engage in the uh, the I'll pay the bill battles if you go out in a group, like with other couples, or you know, or or your or your parents? Like I'll have that happen where it's a constant. I have to like literally run from the table five minutes before the bill comes and and go get the server and be like, here's the card. Right. Because if it happens at the table, it's a friggin' showdown. And then the you know the the server's like taking the card, putting it back, taking the card. And I'm like, all right, someone just pay for it. It's with the parents only, yeah. like with
2: friends. And this is the advent of technology as well. At most spots now, you have that little kiosk thing at your table where you can just split the check real quick, pay it right there, and then you're good to go. But yes, with my parents, I do the exact same thing. I have to get up before the dinner is over. They're like, I'm going to the bathroom. And like in reality, I'm just seeing our waiter or waitress over there and be like, can I give this to you so we don't like harass
1: you in 10 minutes? Tough times, man. Yep. Just be happy you can do it. But I would totally let Shaq pay for my back. I, well, I, eventually I would, but I'd probably blow it by making those three attempts and saying no. And then he's finally like, all right, you seem, you know, you seem like you're really into paying it, so I'll walk away. And actually be like, Shaq,
2: there's actually these really nice earrings I, I, that pair up very nicely with it that I've been really wanting to get her, but I can't really do it at this point right now. So what do you think, man?
1: Number four. I get a story idea from John Von Tobel as we exchange notes. Why are we pretending to be excited about the Masters? What is wrong with you? So I let me get. This, I
2: enjoy golf. I have actually many you know bets on the Masters for this weekend. Very excited to watch the, the act of golf itself. I feel like the quick turnaround from November to now. Like I just had all the pomp and circumstance shoved down my throat a couple of months ago. I don't need to hear about Augusta and the azaleas and the
1: pimento cheese sandwiches. Like ugh, let, let's just play the golf tournament.
2: We we were here five months ago. Man, you're bitter.
1: I'm not. You know, what, I'm not with you. First of all, uh, we we had Nota Begay on yesterday. who played in the Masters multiple times, and you know, played in college with uh, Tiger Woods. And you know, he started mentioning. Actually, Adam Adam Hill asked him a question about Dustin Johnson winning. I completely forgot that they the schedule got jacked up last year, and that it was a fall Masters. So like that doesn't even register to me. For me, especially as an older person, like the Masters means the beginning of the sun coming out, especially when you grow up in the Northeast, the 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 weather sucks. And a lot of times you're starting, you're getting in April and it still sucks. But it, for me, the masters always means like, Hey, here we are. The sun's coming out. It's going to get nicer. So there's some sentimentality there. So the masters gives you hope. Uh, that we're just moving into warmer times and being able to go outside. And it's not going to be miserable now here. I mean, we're kind of weatherproof. It's like, it's nice all year. We barely had a, did we have a winter? The SO and I were talking about this the other day. I was like, and a lot of it was because it was like 92 degrees on Saturday or Sunday. I'm like, I feel like we didn't have a winter. What was it cold for like two weeks? Well, we also didn't hang out that
2: much outside this past year, right? I think that kind of affects it. Do you not? Like, usually go out, go ice skating, have bonfires, hang out with people, do all that sort of stuff, when in reality we were so shut in this year that maybe you do realize it was windy. Maybe. We had that really annoying two-week stretch where it was windy and cold for like a month. I said it was a two-week stretch for like a month, but still, that was really obnoxious. <laughs> Yeah, I,
1: I thought you were going down the path. I figured you would be uh, on a millennial attack of boomers because boomers love the Masters so much. No,
2: I mean, look, I like golf. I mean, the Masters is like, I guess that's my millennial side. It's like, relax. Not everything is this grand spectacle.
1: Just go play golf. The gentleman's game and then the music.
2: Like the stupid jacket. And
1: like you said, with the azaleas and so beautiful. Amen. With the stupid what? The stupid jacket.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amen, corner. <quarter. laughs> the stupid jacket. That's just, awesome. Just play for cash. Let's go. What do they say, Nobody. man? They're they're drive for show, butt for dough. Put the put the. No, it's not the Claret Jug. Whatever. Put something out there. Fill it with cash and be like, "You boys can get this at the end of the weekend." Let's go. I don't need a check.
1: I mean, there's something to be said about you're a gambler. You're not really supposed to get wrapped up in the emotion and the pomp and circumstance. You're just betting. Yeah. Like we're no. betting. Uh, yeah. Here's the other thing I think makes the Masters great now is you know how stuck up they are. Right over the years, they're, they're really they really are horses' asses, and then just a just a just a just a perfect picture of what we were, and we don't want to be anymore. Right. In terms of all these rich white dudes, <laughs> you know, play here with me, a female, I, a black, right? I Absolutely saying, not. My grandfather would roll over in his grave. But anyway, so that like that represents the masters. I, by the way, I'd be down health. with that circumstance. Let's talk about that I, for a while. I no, but here's what I love. You've got freaking in the Body, Beefcake, Deschambeau out there, just acting like a jackass yesterday. Yeah. You realize the, the heart attack, like some Masters, you know, stuffed shirt jackass would have in 1966. If some guys out there, and yeah. swinging like a complete animal. I love, I love that you got that breakthrough too, you know. And you got Dustin Johnson and Paulina. Like I like just like that that little bit of edge now at the Masters, where you know the the uh, the old garden. Folks from Augusta are like, I don't know what's going on here.
2: It's, it's,
1: it's, I can't, it's, it's
2: what's going to happen to our game when we're gone?
1: It's going to get better. It's going to get that's more right. competitive. It's going to get more wide open. People from all areas can actually play it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's better now than it's ever been. It sucks that Tiger's not there, though. I will say that. Mm-hmm. That is going to Number three. I didn't really seem like I mean that. I do mean it. I'm sad the Tiger's got a pulverized leg, and he's not coming back for a while. Bryson DeChambeau belongs in baseball. He would get beamed all the time. Because he's a show-off in a sport that doesn't really love show-offs. And even the other golfers are like, this guys driving me nuts. I love what's happening in baseball right now because we've got angst and heat right out of the gates. First of all, can we start with the lunacy of Nick Castellanos and what happened?
2: I, don't, I still
1: don't even know what happened. <laughs> well, he... Like I but think we're forgetting busted. the part like he he was goaded. He did get hit up and in, right? You know, eventually he gets in a position to freaking score with the pitcher covering the plate, he slides in safely and then flexes over him. And then a day later they're like two game suspension. Two game suspension for flexing? Like what are we doing? They still they still have no control. The commissioner's office still has no control of what the rules are and who can who can flex? who can hit each other, who can point to the sky. There are no rules. And they keep trying to make up the rules on the fly, and they look like idiots.
2: Well, I think there are actually an odd establishment rules. It's just that they're not fair for every single player. Like, pitchers, for some reason, can scream and grunt and yell and do whatever they want when they whiff a guy. Madison Bumgarner is the king of that. I will scream when I strike you out. You will not look at me when you're going to first because I either walked you or you got a hit off me. Like, that's the way it is, and that's the stupid part. Hitters are always, for some reason, deemed the aggressor, when in reality, like, one of us is getting 99 thrown at him. Right. And it's not you. It's me. Right. (laughs) Like, I think I'm allowed to get a little irritated if I get hit with one of them.
1: What happened with Contreras? That was real weird.
2: So this is great. So Contreras, the other day, he's crowding the plate. There's one instance where you can see he gets a fastball in, and he tries to, like, lean into it to, like, get hit by it.
1: And it ultimately and that, misses. He doesn't get By care. the way, now it's on. Right. Now I will hit you eventually. This might not be the situation, but you want, you want to lean in, you're going to get hit. But that's the thing. It's so like,
2: I think it's like a plate appearance later. He gets hit and he gets mad. And he's like talking to the pitcher. It's like You were trying to get hit five minutes ago. What are we doing? Like those kind of base. And that's why I said it to you like baseball's back. Because baseball beasts are also yep. so stupid at times. It's so great. Wilson Contreras forgetting he was purposely trying to get hit. And then two plate appearances later being like, how dare you hit me, bro? How dare you?
1: Number two. Can we just be civil? Can we be mature? Can people make mistakes and be forgiven in baseball? Dusty Baker is very irked right now. He's very hurt. He's very irked. Give me a little dusty on what's been happening to the Astros as the crowds are back. They hate the Astros. Sorry, we do. You cheated. You showed no remorse. You're gonna get it, and then Dusty's up there on his pulpit, you know, waving at people like, "I can't
4: believe this is happening." You can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the in, in the stands, and um, you know how many in the in the in the stands have never done nothing, anything wrong in their life, or you know, you know, we paid the price for it. How many people have not cheated, you know, uh, on the test or 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 whatever at some point in time? I mean, it's easy you know, if you live in glass houses, but I don't think anybody lives in glass houses. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes we need to look at ourselves before you, uh, you know, spew hate on, on somebody else. Like I said, it's, uh, it's a sad, you know, situation for, you know, for America to me, you know, when you, when you hear things, I mean, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands or, you know, and then, and some of them are kids are following their parents and, uh, it's, uh. It's sad to me, like I said. And you know, people make mistakes. And um, you know, we paid for ours and uh, you know, we say leave it alone.
1: Not one player paid for the mistake. You weren't there, so I don't know what you paid. You got a job. What did you you paid. you paid, you're getting paid. The sad for America thing is ridiculous. I'll counter the kids. You know what? Oh, look at the kids. If you're a parent, you sit there and go, you know why this is happening? Because right. they did something that was really illegal. Don't cheat. Don't prosper off of that. They never paid the price. People are mad. There are repercussions in life, son or daughter. So that's easy to explain away. And, Dusty, the whataboutism, come on, bro. Immediately, like, I'm, you know, everyone in the crowd has never made a mistake or cheated? Right. I don't know. I guess we can go person by person and see the level of, you know, at which they cheated or made a mistake. Give them, What is it, the vaccine passports? Yeah. Give them boo passports. This man's allowed to boot because he's never cheated in. And, and on top of all of it, Dusty Baker, you're on a pulpit. You're pushing back with whataboutism. You are an integral part of the Giants-Bonds-Balco scandal. Stop. You are part of the other – Probably, I, I would say recently those are the two biggest cheating scandals, right? Mm-hmm. You're part of both, and you were like right in the mix of just turning you know turning the head looking the other way on the roid stuff i don't need to be lectured by you dusty baker come on so there's a lot here first let's just do the most
2: obvious one where you're playing a division rival it's the angels of course the crowd is going to hate you regardless like just basic sports things like you're going to get booed relax there but here's the other thing that i like about the uh, these people never cheated on a test in their lives remember mike bolsinger a bolsinger the guy who alleges that his career got ruined because the Houston Astros were cheating so much and he got lit up to the point where he hasn't really had a solid stint with a major club since? Ramifications more than just cheating on a test, right? Yeah, I wrote A, B, C, and D on my wrist a couple times in high school. It didn't affect the career of another guy that was sitting around me, and that's the thing that is completely to blind yourself from that and the ramifications of what you did as a club is incredible.
1: Number one. Uh, ESPN's been coming up with lists. We all do the list. What was our latest list?
2: I like this, dude. This is such a good topic. The top 25 under the age of 25 in the NBA. Steve.
1: Oh, in the NBA. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So what happened here? <laughs> Actually, I did see the list, and I, and you know, I was very happy because I think what? Your boy. At number three or four or number two? Mm hmm. LaMelo? LaMelo. Oh. And he was ahead of, I mean, he was ahead of some really good, like Ben Simmons, I think, was nine, and LaMelo was top five. Yeah. And you know what? My guy, Stephen A. Smith, not happy about that season.
2: But see, this is the stuff like this that just diminishes the credibility of ESPN. Okay, this is the list. This is our list, right? Am I am I, am I correct about this? I believe it's our list. Yes, it is. Let me tell you yes, something ESPN. right now. Yes, ESPN.com. What the hell? I mean, ESPN needs to drug test anybody that has something to do with this list. Makes no sense. Devin Booker is not it, it, Lamelo Ball before Devin Booker. Really? <laughs> really? I just, I love it. This is this is great for so many reasons. He, One, he
1: is the best. He's
2: he's incredible. You know, I was just telling you right before he's on Stephen A. Smith on SportsCenter. Center. He's got his own Sports Center right before games. They run everything through him. He is their quarterback. He's, he's worth their, every dollar. He's right. the
1: entire network now, and it's just
2: so good to just like hey Stephen A. Like we're gonna do top twenty five under twenty five, and he's gonna look at the list and be like, I'm gonna go with that. Lamelo Ball, are we serious? You're going to have a 15 to 20 minute conversation about it. People are going to tweet about it, and it's brilliant because all I saw was about this tw- top 25 under 25 list and Stephen A. Smith's opinions on it. I, I think he's brilliant, and I just I also thought you would very get very angry because he's upset that Lamelo Ball is ahead of, him.
1: by the way, of all the random players.
2: Devin Booker, like he's just really upset about it.
1: <laughs> it's fine, but I also buy it for what it is, and I understand. You know, there's a lot of audience out there that's going to say. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Stephen A is pissed at ESPN for this list. He's not pissed. It's a bit. That's what Stephen A does. He's he's faking outrage. But it's good entertainment. Top 10.
2: Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, LaMelo Ball, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Darren Fox, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, Bam Adebayo, Shea Gilders alexander I can't believe they have Shea Gilders alexander at 10, Steve. I can. Knock him down a peg. No. I want him at
0: 11.
1: Okay, let's we'll come back. We're going to argue about that
0: for about 15 minutes. It's the Big 5 at 5, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN
1: Las Vegas. If you're looking for a Golden Knights hockey, get over to our sister station Fox 1340 and 989. FM. So a big story of the day as we get back into some college basketball talk is uh, Sean Miller is out at Arizona. We're going to talk to one of the UNLV assistants, Carlin Hartman, about his uh, arrival in Las Vegas and the goals of the UNLV basketball program as they try to put things together here with uh, T.J. Otzelberger off to Iowa State. So, yeah, um, Sean Miller's out. Uh, Early candidates are Tommy Lloyd, who's a 20-year assistant at Gonzaga. Damon Stoudemire played. At Arizona, Miles Simon, Arizona guy, Lakers assistant coach, by the way, Sattermeyer Pacific head coach. Josh Passner, Arizona guy, has bounced around. His latest job is Georgia Tech. Did a good job this year. Eric Musselman, we're all familiar with the must Bus. He's at Arkansas. And Luke Walton, who is in the NBA with the Kings. Now, we already went through this. Hey, an NBA guy is going to come back to college with the college ranks to take over a program with Brad Stevens. And uh, Steven said repeatedly, it's not going to happen. Luke Walton was already asked about it. He said, no interest. said, I love Arizona, and I think Sean Miller did an amazing job there in his time. Uh, I have a job. I have a job I love. I have a group I love uh, that I'm working with. I'm very committed to being here in Sacramento. So as of now, that's what Luke Walton says about the Arizona job. Uh, other things to watch with Arizona now. What happens to the players if this takes a while? You know, and do the players want to stay around for a new coaching staff? Curious to see what happens to our uh, buddy, Jason Terry, brother of Curtis Terry. He's part of the show and part of the UNLV family and broadcast team. So interesting to see that. And then also what happens to Jack Murphy from Durango High School, who was the associate head coach under Sean Miller. So not a good situation. And, uh, you know, Miller did what he did. We can debate whether, you know, it's enough to get fired, enough to get penalties and, and further penalties. But other people are affected by, it, you know, the current players and also the assistants on the staff. Well, speaking of assistance, we're a couple minutes away from talking to uh, one of the newest coaches at UNLV, Carlin Hartman, who was at Oklahoma before this. We'll join Cofield and company.
0: Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Hanging at the Battle Born Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company.
1: College athletics, the world of college athletics. You know, we are just talking about Arizona making a change at coach. There's uh, changes, players moving on, coaches moving on. And uh, at UNLV, you know, continuity's been an issue and they're trying to get it together with the uh, Kevin Kruger moving over on the bench, and he's bringing in a new staff. But uh, we know the Krugers love UNLV, and uh, Carlin Hartman is new to the market. He's a UNLV assistant coach, and he gives Steve Cofield and Cofield and Company a couple of minutes here on a Wednesday. How are you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? We're good. We're fired up. We're, we're fired up. We're fired up to see what's going to happen with UNLV basketball, and we want to see the program do well and get you know fans back in the Thomas and Mac. And I wonder why you thought uh, this was the spot moving on from Oklahoma. Why UNLV for you?
5: Yeah, you know, it's, uh,
1: it's one of the things and I think
5: I've uh, I said this in my press release. Uh, after Coach retired, uh, I really thought long and hard just about some of the opportunities that were out there for me. Fortunately, I've been in this industry for a while, and, and I had some pretty good ones. But everything just kept coming back to UNLV. It kept coming back to, um, you know, obviously, my, my relationship with Coach Kruger and my, my relationship with Kevin as well in the three years that we worked together. Uh, together at, um, as assistant coaches at Oklahoma in the five years I worked with Coach, and you know, just going from one elite program, in my opinion, to another, a very storied program here in in Las Vegas, and one that you know people really care about on the on the basketball side of things. And so, uh, those were really the main reasons were you know my relationship with the
1: Krugers, and
5: you know, having an opportunity to restore, um, you know, you know UNLV running the Rebels basketball back to prominence, you know, and where it should be.
1: Well, you just had it back to prominence. So, why do you believe that uh, there's you know enough building blocks here to get it back to a point where Lon had it, where you know between Lon and uh, Dave Rice at the beginning of his run, they made the tournament six or seven years. Yeah, you know, I mean it can happen again, and it will happen again. I mean, Coach Krueger and the way he does things. I mean,
5: obviously, I was a part of his staff for the last five years, and I know you know uh, what what kind of a coach he is, and you know he just needs a few. He just needs a few pieces, you know, here and there to be able to, you know, uh, you know. Take our program to new heights there in Oklahoma, and and, in his ten years there, you know, we went to eight NCAA tournaments. In my five years, I count the 2020, you know, uh, shutdown year as an NCAA year because we were locked in to go that year. So you talk about four of the last five years, we have the blueprint. You know, um, we just needed a few pieces, and we're going to get the same thing here. There's so many different uh, elements to uh, being able to sell um, not just the city of Las Vegas, but obviously. The history, you know, the uh, the twenty NCAA tournaments, all the Elite Eights, the Final Fours, the National Championship, you know, and even kids that you know obviously you know weren't alive when that National Championship happened. It still occurred, and, it, and it's still you know in, in a lot of people's recent memories. So you know, we keep on bringing that up, and we just constantly talk about the resources that we have in the and Hall Center, the Thomas and Mack, you know, and the, um, the just the uh, the allure to you know what what this area is and how how big basketball is. Uh, in Las Vegas so just a lot of things to sell and you know I think we've gotten off to a you know pretty good start just here in the last couple of weeks.
1: Carl Harbin's with us uh, coach he's now part of the uh, running rebel family I want you to tell the audience why you've been bought in when it comes to Kevin Kruger you know not only being a coach but now a head coach. Yeah uh,
5: I think the biggest thing with Kevin is that he grew up in it you know uh, he's been around uh, greatness he's been around his dad you know and all the different stops you know born in in McAllen, Texas, when the uh, coach was uh, first getting started there at Pan Am, to, you know, his time with uh, Steve Henson and Mitch Richmond at Kansas State, and then move over to Florida in the final four run they had there, Illinois, to the Hawks, Hawks, you know, to here in uh, in in, uh, in Las Vegas, and, and then obviously the last 10 years in Oklahoma. Kevin's been around it. He's experienced it as a as a former great player in college, as a pro, uh, professionally in Europe, and, uh, you know, then on the coaching side of things. So, He's been around a, a, a lot of successful teams, uh, whether it be as a, as a son, whether it be as a as a, as a player, and, and now as, as head coach. So he's uh, he's he's going to do uh, a lot of great things, and I'm really looking forward to being a part of the journey. And as I said in my press release, you know, ending one uh, a great run with uh, Coach Kruger uh, in his story career, and starting another one with Kevin here in, uh, at UNOV.
1: What did you know about Vegas before making the decision? I'm just talking about the city and the area.
5: You know, it's funny. Uh, I, the thing I, I didn't know as much, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the living situation or anything like that, what I did know about Vegas was, you know, coming here every single summer, you know, the, the main event, you know, uh, the different tournaments, you know, that go on here. And so I got I got to kind of know my way around. You know, like two fifteen. You know, uh, uh, Interstate fifteen. You know, knowing, you know, uh, what time I need to leave in order to go to the Foothill High School versus Durango High School or Bishop Gorman or Clark High School. You know, d- depending on what, you know, four or five tournaments were going on. So uh, I got a chance to get to know the lay of the land a little bit. Now, just in terms of, uh, you know, now looking for a house, it's a lot different. And I and I real and I now recognize that there's so many different places um, that you can live. You know, uh, and. And, and, and to raise a family, and I'm looking forward to bring my my family here hopefully in the next couple
1: months. So as you're looking around, you're like, my God, this place is big, or does it have some similarities to Norman? I've never been to Norman, so I don't know how big Norman is.
5: Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, it has no similarities to Norman whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> <None>. <laughs> Norman, and, 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 hey, I love my time in Oklahoma, all right? Yeah. but it was, it was Norman and the city of Oklahoma City, which is only 25 minutes away from Norman, uh, it's a great place to live. It's very flat. But here you got you know your mountains, you got the uh, obviously the different climates, the uh, zero percent humidity for the most part, uh, a lot more dry heat Uh, there in Oklahoma. The humidity was a lot hotter, so uh, there's really no comparison to to the places whatsoever.
1: Uh, going back in time, and Carlin Hartman's with us, uh, newest assistant for, well, technically not the newest, but you know, new assistant for UNLV working with Kevin Krueger. How did you make your way from the Northeast to uh, go play college basketball at Tulane, and and uh, how did that kind of shape you? I'm a big fan of New Orleans. I vacation there every year. I love that place. Uh, and yeah. that Tulane, Tulane, to me, is a really impressive school.
5: It was, and it was impressive to me coming out of high school. So growing up in Buffalo, and I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan, so I'm uh, sure I'm you know, Bills Mafia people. Hopefully they're out there listening. No, are. Um, <laughs> we're all over the place. Uh, nice. Things that uh, I was getting uh, mostly all Northeastern schools, and you're talking about the late 80s, uh, early 90s, there wasn't a, uh, the, the AU scene wasn't as big as what it was now, and so most of the schools that I was getting recruited by were the St. Bonaventure's, Niagara University, um, LaSalle University at the time, the, the great teams there, you know, with Lionel Simmons and Doug Overton, a lot of those really good players, and then uh, Seton Hall and, 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 and Providence, you know, came in late, but Tulane was the one school that, uh, that, that recruited me for it for quite some time. I had just never been down there and I didn't know where it was. And so finally, you know, we get into the whole recruiting process thing. And, uh, I had taken taking a visit down there and I had just never seen anything like it. I mean, palm trees, you know, the weather was great. You know, I leave Buffalo on let's, let's say a, a, a Wednesday and it's 45 degrees and I land in New Orleans at 85 degrees in that sun. and just like you know what palm trees this kind of weather playing in the old Metro conference and at the time it was Louisville and Florida State South Carolina Memphis Cincinnati it was a great basketball league and so um, it, it, I was sold at that point you know and I bet on myself and fortunately all, everything worked out
1: so we've seen uh, you guys pull three players out of the portal that's official I know you're working hard on many others and also what you're going to do yeah. with the roster just looking at the three players you brought in if you can talk about them what what sort of the grand plan and where do those three guys fit into the grand plan of building a roster that you know is going to be ready to go and be competitive this season
5: yeah I think the biggest thing with the roster you know obviously in whatever you do um, in sports uh, you got to have a, a quarterback you got to have a leader and that's where Jordan McCabe comes in. Uh, he's a guy that had a lot of success um, in his freshman year. Um, even though they did not win as many games as they had in the uh, two years uh, after, uh, he was just kind of like a catalyst. He was a stalwart, and, and, and he did a really, really good job. He was uh, one of the uh, – he's he really great with the ball in his hands, um, a very vocal leader, a guy that you know a lot of people you know recognize his game from. Even in high school, um, he just was—he's he, a—he's a great uh, floor general, great vocal guy, and and someone who's going to make everyone feel really good about being on the floor at all times because he's nonstop in terms of just his communication and so forth. So we had to have a quarterback, and that's where Jordan McCabe comes in from West Virginia, and then getting uh, Royce Ham—that uh, was also huge for us. Royce is a guy uh, that obviously didn't play the amount of minutes that he uh, wanted to at Texas you know, throughout his four-year career. But even in the spot-minute time that he did, his plus-minus was always really good. And uh, last year, uh, during the pandemic season, uh, Texas had lost, I want to say, six or seven games. And uh, you know they were kind of reeling. And then they had some key injuries to some key guys. Um, but Royce was able to step in there. And once he started to play a lot, and, and he was really effective, and they won six games in a row uh, in Big 12 play. And and he was just he was he was really really dynamic you know for them and it wasn't dynamic in the sense of scoring a lot of points but you know rebounding the basketball uh, defensively he was unbelievable blocking shots at the rim and now we're going to give him and Jordan an opportunity you know to be able to showcase you know the things in which they can do and what we've seen you know being you know coaches in the in the Big Twelve we know you know what what, what their games are capable of and we're going to also try to expand it. And the last guy uh, that we signed is uh, Victor uh, Iwakor, uh, who played for us at Oklahoma. Uh, Vegas fans will love him and Royce and their athleticism. Uh, they're, they're, they're high flyers. They get up on the rim. They really play hard. Uh, Victor is uh, he, he's, a, he's a very raw prospect, I would say. you know Right now his defense is ahead of his offense. But he's also a guy that's really improved over these last couple of years, um, not just um, in, in practice but also in the game. So he's just learning things on the fly. He's also going to play a major role for us this year. So we like to hope and think that those uh, couple guys in the front court, uh, they give us our muscle, and then uh, we got the quarterback uh, at the point guard position, Jordan McCabe. So we're really excited about those guys. And as you said before, we are also uh, working really hard uh, to complete the roster and get a couple more, uh, which hopefully will be announced here in the next uh, week or so.
1: Are you guys worried that Marvin Coleman may not come back at 100%? Is there, is there a risk there, and that's why, hey, we got to get more point guard depth?
5: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. You know, obviously, you know, he's a good basketball player, and he's he's a guy that you know we would love to you know have you know moving forward. You know, but there's obviously just you know the the injury factor there, and so you know we I obviously have to do what's best for our program, and Kevin and myself and Coach Buckley have you know consistently talked about you know just making sure that we have insurance there because you can't go throughout the course of a season you know without someone who can run the point guard and. Um, you know, I think they were caught in that situation a little bit last year uh, in terms of some some of the games that I had watched. Um, so this year we're not we're not going to be in that situation. We're going to make sure we have enough ball handling out there. So hopefully Marvin uh, will be able to come back, uh, you know, and be healthy. But, you know, there's always that chance that he may not be.
1: Last couple of questions, and I appreciate all the time okay. we're talking to a new UNLV assistant, Colin Hartman, who's on the staff uh, with Kevin Krueger like, take me through what it's like right now when you come into a program, you know, most of your roster goes, you know what, I'm going to head to the portal. It doesn't mean they're all gone for sure, but they're, they're going to explore things. Like, do you actually, sure. is it like, almost like an NFL organization where you've got like a big board and then you've got the guys yeah. you think you have, then you've got all these different, I would think you'd have like different levels of transfer portal uh, portal guys that you want because um, yeah. the portal to me is just is fascinating. Everyone's working on it, and I just wonder yeah. like, hey, do we take this guy? Oh, no, that guy was available two weeks later. This is all <laughs> This is all nuts to me, and you actually have to do it. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. We had a little bit of experience, you know, really the first uh, year last year. And uh, at Oklahoma, we had uh, some really good success in the portal. We got two guys out of it, Moja Gibson uh, from North Texas, who was on a um, CUSA championship team, and then Elijah Harkless, a kid from CSUN, uh, Cal State Northridge. And both of them ended up being starters for us and, and end up getting us to the round of 32. So, um, I we have experience that uh, on our staff from, from recruiting to the portal, and just like you say, these things are happening. You know, you know, and it's like really cyclical. It's just happening so quickly. You see a guy in the portal one day, and the next day, the next day, he's already committed somewhere else. You know, and that's why last week, you know, we were able to announce to our three guys because kids are really like trying to, you know, figuring out. You know, these these opportunities, these scholarship offers are maybe not, maybe not going to be there. You know, in a matter of days, definitely maybe not weeks, and so guys are. You know, getting on these Zooms, and we're having a lot of Zoom calls with, with kids, uh, pretty much every single day. Just going through, you know, what our roster could look like, what it would look like with them in the fold, and um, it's it's pretty dynamic. And to your point, yeah, we got a we got a big board. You know, we got, we got a lot of guys on the board, and you know, once we get one, you know, signed and committed, you know, we check that that particular position off, and then we move on to the next one. So, you know, the fact that there's over 1,100, maybe close to 1,200 kids in a portal. Now is uh, is a lot to uh, try to you know uh, digest, uh, but you know the good thing is we have a lot of experience in our staff and, and and the good majority of the kids that we see on this on these rosters or excuse me on the portal is uh, you know good for us because we we know you know for the most part what they can and cannot do now we just need to find out what their characters like you know uh, what they're like in practice what their way off off the court uh, and then just watch a ton of film on them.
1: We, uh, we know Bryce Hamilton's testing the waters in the NBA. Are you guys in contact with him, or was that an announcement, and he's just off doing his own thing now?
5: Yeah, no, we're still in contact with him. Bryce has been really good. He's been really transparent in terms of what he wants to do, and, you know, we've been the same way as well. So, you know, he's going to test it, see what it's like, uh, you know, get some feedback, and then, you know, we'll have some conversations, you know, about uh, next year, you know, uh, you know, probably the next couple weeks or so.
1: Good deal. Well, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Thank you so much. Congrats on the gig and welcome to the community. I think you're gonna really like Las Vegas, and especially if you guys have a, a big time winning program, uh, you're really gonna enjoy it here because this is a basketball. I still think it's a basketball city first and foremost. Yeah. We got the Raiders, we got VGK, but uh, I know yeah. you know grassroots people love the Running Rebels here in town.
5: Yeah, you know, Coach talked about it quite often. You know, in our in our at our time in Oklahoma, and how much he loved Vegas and how much
1: he you know just loved the
5: support and you know when it was going like you say you know, in those back-to-back, you know, tournament championships, you know, uh, that's something that we want to get back to. And uh, I'm very, very, very confident in Kevin. I'm very confident in our uh, program. I'm very confident in the school that we're going to be able to attract some really good basketball players here and get this thing going again. Good
1: deal. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. You guys have a good night. Thank you. There he is. Bill's Mafia member. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know if that's going to blend with this show. Adam Hill, former member uh, member of the uh, Bills Mafia. But Colin Hartman on the job now with Kevin Krueger. Looks like they put the entire staff together. We'll get into that more tomorrow. And uh, I think there's high hopes. I think there's high hopes. you got some building blocks here and the guys they've brought in. And hopefully they can land uh, a couple of real impact players who, uh, you know, were scoring at a decent number at some other stops. And we're going to see what they can put together. Everyone, you know, most programs around the country, whether they're, they were high level or not, are putting together, you know, some sort of – some sort of mishmash with their roster because they're having to bring in three or four new guys. It's just, it's the way college basketball operates now. Every year there's turnover.
0: The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company late night pod tonight at nine o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag only on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Take your hand in there, Dave. Thanks to the folks here at uh, Battleborn Injury Lawyers as we're doing the show from their uh, brand new podcast studio, the Battleborn Broadcast Center. And uh, got to remind you, if you need an attorney today, tomorrow, whenever, when the situation arises, you're going to want to have the number handy, 570-9000, because you're going to need someone you can trust. And our guy is uh, Justin Watkins and Matt Hoffman here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, uh, part of the crew with C&C for like eight plus years. And, uh, you know, we work with quality folks. You know that. Justin Watkins and Matt Hoffman and Battleborn Injury Lawyers are just that. Five seven zero nine thousand is the number. And if you're uh, frustrated with your uh, current dealio with your attorney, not seeing the case move forward, not getting answers, these are the guys to call. One more time, five seven zero nine thousand. Back in there. Stick your hand in there, dude. Uh, good feedback. And I, on the Dusty Baker thing and the Astros and Dusty back-to-back days, talking about this is terrible for America and it's time to forgive and forget and we paid a price and. My God, I saw a guy in a stream uh, or a thread on Twitter saying they paid the price. You could see it on their faces all of last year. That that's that's now how we judge if people actually are remorseful or uh, you know pay a bit of penance, pay a bit of a penalty. They look sad. Yeah, and believe me, it's only baseball. It's cheating in baseball. It's not freaking the end of the world, but the thing that kills you and that this is what upsets people in a lot of these cases and real life cases. When the perpetrators or the perpetrator is almost gleeful in not saying sorry, but also pushing back and go, whoa, 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 don't come after me. What about you? Come on. Uh, Good feedback from Derek, one of our P1 listeners, great on Twitter. When Dusty was saying, hey, it's a mistake, move on. Derek said a mistake is like one or two off incident. They had a whole systematic deal top down. They're adults. They're well traveled. They can't claim the ah uh, shucks, you know, where rubes roll. And we know they're not. They know what they did. And, you know, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable. Too bad. Deal with it.